0: Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast.
1: Let us pray. O Lord, open our ears to hear, open our minds to learn, and open our hearts to love in Jesus name we pray amen Amen. I'd like to take a an intellectual tour but make it really short Um, have you ever thought about thinking I mean have you thought about the things that you thought and thought that there might be something right or wrong about it I mean have you ever really thought about why you think the way you think now, I know this sounds kind of trite, what I'm, what I'm doing here. It says, but we think in a certain way because of certain things over time. And in Western culture, certainly since the Enlightenment, thinking seems to be, according to the Enlightenment, appropriate to cogitation that the human mind can solve any problem. Any problem. Because our mind is so great. The mind is great, but the mind can be bad and still be great. It can be good and be great. And so in our thinking, how are we informed about our own thinking? Now, Western civilization, as we know, uh, began with with the Athenians, with Athens and with the great philosophers because they did a lot of thinking. So I want to try through what our readings are today. To contrast that of Athens and that of Jerusalem, the thinking is not the same for both, although there may be overlap. Because most of us think Jerusalem style, doesn't mean that we lose our ability to think. A lot of people say, if you or of a religious nature, you're not thinking. So let's go through a little thing here with uh, Saul. Saul was actually a great warrior, and uh, but he didn't think too much of himself, but he was a great warrior. And after Joshua and all the judges that uh, came afterwards, the leadership of Israel was done by more or less charismatic people. And uh, apparently, Saul was not charismatic, but he was a great warrior. He was a great leader in that sense. And so uh, Samuel had ruled, so to speak, ruled Israel before Saul, but God told Samuel, you need to anoint Saul as the first king of Israel. So we have the United Kingdom, not to be confused with England and Scotland and Wales, but you got the Jewish or the Hebrew nation, where Saul is the first king. Well, how does, he, how does he handle things? Well, he starts off with a mistake. He's been told by God through Samuel to Saul what to do in a battle. This is in chapter 13, not what we've read today. But in 13, Samuel says, now, now here's what you need to do, but don't do it until I get there. And I'll be there in seven days. Well, Saul was somewhat impetuous. And Samuel wasn't there day one, day two, through day six. Now we're into the seventh day. uh, Samuel's not there. So Saul decides to, he can't wait. He's got to do it now. He's thinking, now is the time. And not only that, he took up Samuel's role as priest and prophet. And sacrificed to God. Well, Samuel did get there just in time, you know, like the, the midnight hour. And so that was a bad, uh, bad spot on, on, on Saul, because Samuel said, what have you done? What were you thinking? He was taking it on his own. He was not listening to the Word of God. He was using his mind. Yeah, that's good. But he didn't obey. So in the reading that we have today, we have something similar. Okay, Samuel tells Saul that the Lord anointed you king over all of Israel, and therefore now listen to the words of the Lord. So he got the word, and things didn't really go right. He went in to attack the... God gave him reason, and it sounds terrible. When someone who's not uh, uh, familiar with the scriptures and to hear what happened here in chapter 15 says, well, I don't want to worship a God like that. But God gave him instructions to get uh, a, a war done, a, a victory done. I think of God's history from the beginning, right on up until the birth of Jesus. God had, God had a struggle. He was dealing with these Israelites who just wouldn't do what he said. They would not obey him. They just wouldn't do what he said. They were thinking, "Well, I need, I need this, I need that, and I'll make myself another idol." They had a very difficult time following the commandments of God. So here you have Saul who wouldn't listen. Okay, and so he did defeat them almost, but he took the king Agag. It took him as uh, uh, he saved him. And uh, uh, he took some of the sheep and everything else, all the good uh, livestock. He, he took took all of that. And Samuel confronted him about it later. So what what, what is that here? What, what do I hear? I hear all of this, these sheep this bleeding. What's going on? And he told him. He said, well why did you do that? He said, well the people wanted it. Well, number one, he's blaming someone else. Sounds like Adam, what happened? What did you eat that thing for? Well, she, she, she told me to. And well, then God asked her, What'd you do? well, it was the serpent who told me. So the blame game started early, and it continues and saw several, several uh, centuries later. So we have disobedience. So when we get into the verses uh, here where um, it says that in, in verse 22, 23, for rebellion is as the sin of divination. That probably says it all what it means is sin is self-worship in other words God doesn't matter sin is self-worship so he does as he pleased and uh, because of you the Lord has rejected you as king of Israel he still served as king until his death and he found a better guy to take his place, but he was too young. So I guess God had to wait, let him let David get a little bit older before he could take over. But get the gall of Saul. He says, pardon my sin and return me that I may bow before the Lord. Well, he's going to do all of that, but he's also saying, come with me, Samuel. Samuel says, I'm not going. you sinned against the Lord. You didn't follow his words. But I did most of it. I did most of it. So take me, go with me, so you can honor me before my people. So he's thinking of himself again. I mean, the lessons are really hard to learn. You can understand why God had a tough time with the Israelites, He has a tough time with us. Saul rejects, and God regrets is not a strange thing. Three times in chapter 15 it talks about God having regrets on anointing Saul as king. That doesn't sound right. God's supposed to be immutable but that makes it sound like God is cold and indifferent. Well, God is not cold and indifferent. God does have compassion and it moves in that way. So he, Saul decided to go his own way he had his own thoughts about how things ought to go even though it was a prophet there telling him what to do for God from God compare that to Abraham somehow God appeared to Abraham and said I want you to leave or I want you to go somewhere now Abraham was not an Athenian he didn't say well I uh, what are your credentials? What are you telling me to go for? Abraham just simply went. And then he made promises to Abraham and said, I'm going to give you children. Oh, that's funny. My wife is 90. I'm 100. But it did happen. He gave him Isaac. And then God, the inscrutable ways of God. God told Abraham to kill his son. God, uh, Abraham did not say, Why? So he went through the process and then the angel of the Lord stopped him. So Abraham was not that type of thinker which had to analyze the actions of someone superior to him. The difference between Athenian thinking and Jerusalem thinking. I know Jerusalem didn't come until years later, but Jerusalem as being the city of God. In the gospel this morning, Jesus calls his first disciples. And uh, this is a wonderful story. And uh, so he's by the seashore. He's gonna preach to the people, big gathering. So there were two, two boats. This was in the morning apparently because the fishing is usually done overnight. Better fishing at nighttime. And um, there were two boats. He gets out in one to preach, and then he asked them to go go fish and, and Peter says we fished all night we're, we're tired you know there's, there's nothing out there. He said well fish on this side of the boat and of course he ruled in, ro- rolled in a lot of fish. Now we have to think about Peter. Jesus called Peter told him what to do, Peter did it, and then all the fish came in, a miracle, they couldn't get that fish. And what happens to Peter? He falls at the knee of Jesus. Peter knew instantly that Jesus was in a different realm. He was a follower, one of the first, is the first, he was one of the followers of Jesus as it turns out, but this is when things changed for Peter. He fell on his knees. He knew. He didn't ask for any qualification, although in one sense, the fish coming in was a qualification. But he didn't ask anything of Jesus. He fell to his knees. Get away from me. You're in a different world than I'm in. I'm a sinner. Peter knew. Now I say at this point for, for Peter, at the at the part where it says, and when they brought brought in their boats and land they left everything and followed him. And they said, hey, I'll make you a, a gatherer of men or a fisher of men. We've heard that term too. I don't think at this point that this was a call to discipleship. At this point, this was a call to Peter to be an agent of the Lord. Peter was number one. Peter became the leader of the apostles, but I think this was was agency. Discipleship came later. Discipleship came after the resurrection, when Jesus was walking and talking, and the last thing he said, when you look at the the last of uh, Matthew 28, that's when he called to go out and preach to all the world. Calling discipleship. And following that 50 days, we have Pentecost where the world gathered. So how is discipleship discipleship manifest? We'll use Peter on the reading from this morning. Can you see the continuity of all the readings that we do? The readings that we're doing now are from the 1662 and the 1540 prayer books. And it's, it's really good because there is a continuity built into it. And, we, and in the case of the Old Testament, we read the whole chapter. Right, Mike? He loves reading all those, <laughs> those wonderful names that come out of there. So, what does discipleship look like? What happens after you're called to go out and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth? Well, that's what Peter did, and we read about it this morning. We may not have the con- total context out there, but he's telling us how we should live. And he lived with, P- uh, with Jesus for a long time, for three years, going through uh, Jesus' ministry. But now he's out, in a way, on his own. So why is he saying these things? He says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. A little bit later in that reading for this morning, it says, have no fear. Well, why would he tell him, have no fear and uh, do not be troubled? He was probably in Rome under the persecutions by Nero. And so what Peter is telling those that he's preaching to is that you're going to have a lot of suffering. This this part of of 1 Peter is talking about suffering. You love the Lord, you do good. You don't return evil for evil. It's hard to do. It's difficult to do. What we want to do is get back at whoever does evil to us. This is not Athenian thinking. This is Revelation. This is Jerusalem thinking. You must be crazy. Tertullian. Remember the early of the church fathers to turn and I believe because it doesn't make sense. So our modern mind, we have to grapple with what's going on in our own world but we have a guide as we were talking about with the the Psalms. We have a guide on how we should live and it is really difficult for us to do because we want to get back. We want to slap it back. And right now we're in a funny phase of, of, of a cultural life with, um, with all of these new things that are coming out and the expression that there's more than one gen, uh, two genders, it's, it's amazing how we can be trapped by that type of thinking. So as a church body, that's who we are, there are many ch- individual parishes, church bodies around the world, it's up to us to be faithful. Abraham was faithful. He didn't ask any questions. He did what God told him to do. It's more difficult for us. But at least we know what can inform our thinking. The words of God recorded in in the Bible. And so we gather together on, on Sunday morning for sure with one another because we need to be with one another. It's one of those things where we were talking about it at men's breakfast a couple of weeks ago. It's a marriage. The church is the bride right of Christ. And the two should live in the same house. And a lot of that has to do with our thinking. And therefore our praying. So let us pray in closing. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word as, as we have ordered it in our prayer books. And as we study it, Open our hearts and minds to your love that may we, that we may partake of your wisdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast for this week. We're expanding our ministries at Church of the Good Shepherd and expanding our space as well in order to better accommodate our growing church family and also to minister to our children. If you feel led to give, please feel free to text the word SHARE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Or additionally, visit us at www.goodshepherdacna.com and go over to the menu item listed Donate to donate online. We appreciate any help that you can give, and we hope to see you soon. Come visit us on Sundays at 9 a.m. for Bible study and at 10.30 a.m. for Sunday worship. God bless.